Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I am privileged to have someone who is an entrepreneur, a motivational speaker, and is doing some amazing things, Divyanshu Ganatra. Divyanshu, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. Thank you. Divyanshu is the founder uh, of Adventure Beyond Barriers Foundation, which is committed to promoting inclusion and awareness about issues of disability. He's also the founder of Yellow Brick Road, a learning and development organization. He's a clinical psychologist, researcher, behavioral facilitator, self-made serial entrepreneur and motivational speaker. He was India's first blind pilot and he has been awarded several times, but he's also received a national award for the welfare of persons with disabilities. So Divyanshu, with such an amazing kind of a track record, what would you say are three key milestones in your career or your life? The very first milestone or, or uh, catalyst to change really was the fact was when I woke up blind. This happened when I was 19. So that was a huge uh, milestone. And when, my, when I look back, that was one thing that really changed my life, of course, mm-hmm. but for the better. And the second was, I think, among the many, yeah, but <laughs> uh, psychology, my, my completing my uh, courses in psychology, uh, getting my degree in psychology and working in that field uh, was the second milestone because it really was something I was, um, uh, I wanted to do. I had to put in a lot of struggle to complete my course. Uh, given that I'm the first blind student to pursue uh, clinical psychology at master's level. Right. So there was that battle. And the third, I think, major milestone really was uh, uh, the, the day I, uh, I I had my first solo flight. I think that was another incredible moment. Quite amazing. Uh, so I think, I think these three have been really big uh, for me. Terrific. So... You know, before I come into, you know, the, the, your two organizations, you know, when you realized at 19 that there was a change taking place in your life, how did you feel and how did you accept it? To be honest, uh, Ashutosh was diagnosed with glaucoma at the age of 17. Yeah. And uh, it was quite by chance that I figured that I had glaucoma, but I still could see perfectly well. Uh, I still could do everything. So I was in total denial. Mm-hmm. I, I really never believed that I would be going blind one day. Although I was told that you're sitting on a ticking time bomb and okay. this can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody can say when, but it can happen. Okay. Uh, you only realize you're blind when you wake up blind. Uh, you have your eyes open, but you can't see. That's the day the realization really hits you because you don't have a choice anymore. Mm. Uh, you can try as much simulations, blindfolded, closing your eyes and walking, all of that you can try. It's not the same. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so honestly, uh, I think I think I never processed the fact that I was ever going to go blind until I went blind. Incredible. So, you know, Divyanshu, let's talk about uh, your first venture, which is Yellow Brick Road, which uh, is a learning and develop, uh, development organization. Right. Tell me about this venture. So, um, Yellow Bit Road is not my first venture. I had multiple ventures. Before that, I was in IT and um, uh, 
had a successful career in IT before that. Okay. Uh, this is uh, IT is what I started off in. Okay. Um, and then later moved to psychology because we were doing AI and ML back then, 25 years ago. Uh, it wasn't known as AI ML back then, but we still were doing stuff uh, um, around those lines to empower and enable using technology. Mm -hmm. And that's when I got interested in psychology, uh, the human mind, the human brain. And I said, that's what I want to pursue. So, so then I quit everything, uh, went back to college, uh, pursued my courses. And then uh, 20, uh, 2006 is when I set up Yellow Brick Road. And what we do in Yellow Brick Road is essentially we work in positive psychology, emotional intelligence, and achievement motivation. Because um, these are areas which I believe... Um, if more people find out about it, more people apply these skills to their lives, um, they wouldn't make themselves upset. Mm. <laughs> and and, uh, and, and Mark, what, what I'm saying is very conscious. Uh, they wouldn't make themselves upset uh, because we make ourselves upset. Mm -hmm. But often we have been conditioned to believe that um, situations, events, people's behaviors, things outside of us, is what makes us feel upset or makes us feel the way we do, mm. which is which is completely untrue. Our emotions are 100% our own responsibility and we cause our own emotions. We, we, we make our own emotions by the way we think. So- um, Very interesting. It kind of applied to my life. So that's what I like to share. I don't believe I teach anything, but I just share uh, what has worked for me uh, from scientific perspectives, of course. Okay. And, you know, Divyanshu, uh, you speak about leading with emotional intelligence. Yes. Help me understand this and give me an example. What's, uh, what really drives us, what motivates us, uh, is really our emotions. And, and as human beings, uh, if we're driven by emotions, uh, we're guided by emotions, our decision-making, our choices... Everything is determined by how we feel. Um, then as leaders, it's imperative that we uh, really become conscious of our emotions. We've, we've, been, we've been conditioned to believe that rationality is of prime importance, of critical importance. But um, uh, while logic and rationality has its place, uh, what drives these decisions is emotion, but we never pay attention to it. We don't realize uh, what we are going through as emotions. We don't know. Uh, we're not aware of our emotions. So that's the first step. Mm -hmm. Being aware, being able to label our emotions, being able to regulate and manage our emotions uh, because that then becomes the founding block of what kind of a leader you will be, how you will deal with stress, how you deal with pressures, how you deal with people mm -hmm. and relationships. And, and to me, that's the most critical element of a leader. Mm -hmm. to be able to be uh, uh, aware of their emotions, uh, to regulate and, and be resilient. So tell me, without giving an, any names, can you give me an example of how people have reacted? Uh, take COVID for that matter. Uh, so, so I'll give you an example from the gender perspective because right. it's easier to understand. Uh, 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 men and women are, are wired differently in the brain right. and, and uh, women have more empathy and, and if you uh, and, and they have more empathy because they're more aware of their emotions, they use their emotions, 
uh, and they use both sides, the linguistic um, uh, as well as the emotional sides. So um, historically, if you see, no, uh, even in the worst of uh, economic downturns, companies led by women have tended to do better. Okay. Uh, they have been more resilient. They have been yeah. able to adapt better, uh, and and data suggests that women leaders are way way better than uh, men leaders uh, under definitely under stressful situations, mm -hmm. and that's simply because they're able to to uh, use emotional intelligence better than men. Okay, because as men we've been told uh, don't show your emotions or don't be emotional or only aggression and anger is what is okay for a man. Mm -hmm. But no other emotion, uh, the, the softer, tender, the other relationship bit of emotional intelligence, uh, we've been conditioned um, out of it. Okay. So if you, if you look at data, um, uh, women, women leaders have tended to do better simply because of only one and one parameter, which is emotional intelligence. Correct. And now that's a skill that can be learned. Mm -hmm. It's not that we, uh, simply because we're wired differently, now that's an excuse. Uh, <laughs> uh, we can learn, we can learn emotional intelligence no matter what our age. Mm -hmm. Our brain is very malleable, our brain is, um, is like, a, like a sponge, it can learn new skills no matter what your age. Correct. So it's just about applying these skills to your own life, being consciously applying it for a while, then it becomes second nature. Okay. So eventually, let's now talk about the other venture, uh, which is Adventure Beyond Barriers Foundation, where uh, you say that it is committed to promoting inclusion and awareness about issues of, of disability. Tell me about what you do in this foundation. Um, well, interestingly, it is, um, uh, it is a fallout of my work in Yellow Brick Road, because we, again, believe in uh, how do you change beliefs? How do you change mindsets? Right. How do you build? How do you how do you bring about change in this world? And and for me, uh, uh, my community of persons with disability are disproportionately impacted in the most marginalized communities around the world. Correct. Uh, of 1.3 billion people around the world. So uh, the big challenge for this community is not really the disability, but um, the stigma, the social misperceptions, these are the bigger challenges, attitudinal barriers. Mm. Now, how do you change these attitudinal barriers is, is through empathy, through dialogue. And what we believe is that there's no better way to build empathy, there's no better way to build dialogue and conversations and, and foster friendships then through play. Sport has the power to really unite people. It has the power to give hope, inspire. And, and um, this is what Nelson Mandela did to unite an entire country. Correct. Correct. So we just apply the same principles of sport, empathy, dialogue, to bring about social change, where we get people with and without disability to come and play together. Mm -hmm. to do stuff that the world has said is impossible, to do outdoor extreme adventure sports from mm -hmm. summiting Everest and Kilimanjaro to uh, the Himalayas and uh, cycling to the top of the world or scuba diving to the, to, to the depths of the ocean or mm -hmm. flying or marathons. Um, and, and we work with cross-disability and every person with disability is paired alongside an alley. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. or ally mm-hmm. and um, from who 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 are uh, non disabled and they just play together they just go climb a mountain together they cycle together but in the process they learn so much about each other correct uh, in the process um, they they have to challenge their own beliefs that they mm-hmm. came in with mm-hmm. uh, because they they come in saying how can somebody who is uh, an amputee or blind uh, go climb a mountain or a quadriplegic go do scuba diving mm-hmm. and they're like this is not possible and they're like well this is how you go about doing it um, we train them we teach them and they uh, and they do it at the end of the day now they have experience it for themselves that this is possible wonderful and, and one of the things about our brain is that we can't hold paradoxical beliefs mm-hmm. at the same time it's very hard to very interesting <laughs> so again you know divyanshu over the years how have you seen in our country mm-hmm. a change in diversity and inclusion you know you must have seen because i i've seen a huge change that you know and i see it but you perceive it right what are your views it's uh, it's it's um, it's changing slowly ashutosh okay not at the pace at which i would want it to be because uh, less than 1% of corporate india have persons with disability okay and that's that's abysmal i agree with you abysmal given that we have 200 million people with disability in this country hmm so so while uh, i'm a very restless soul i i i, I like to <laughs> correct and why shouldn't you absolutely <laughs> but uh, uh, but at the same time i'm hopeful things are changing there is more dialogue there is more uh, policies we have enough policies we need it to be followed in the spirit of things okay uh, we have enough legislation but we don't have uh, uh, we we don't follow it and then if we do it in the right spirit i i'm hopeful that um i will i will see a lot of change in my lifetime that's the hope mm-hmm. but we have a long way to go ashitosh to be honest but we have tell me what what do you think should be done to accelerate the change a uh, simple uh, to me i really believe empathy and dialogue is okay. is fundamental mm-hmm. uh, yeah, visibility is fundamental so if you look at india especially mm-hmm. you don't see people with disability around us mm-hmm. you never went to school with somebody with disability you never go to work spaces where the people with disability you don't see them in cinema houses parks nowhere right and then that leads to people believing that uh, hey they don't exist and the only ones you see are at the signal or or uh, in very poor light mm-hmm. whereas there are millions of us but then where are they that's the question right and and they're trapped in their own homes mm-hmm. while you experienced lockdown for 2 months people with disability have been locked down for all their lives correct and and 50% of people with children with disability are not even introduced to the world wow because of the stigma mm-hmm. because either the mother mother is blamed or the parents are blamed saying you must have sinned especially the mother is blamed mm. that you must have sinned in your past life this is karma that's terrible mm. or who will marry your siblings if they find out there is a person with disability in the house mm. so they never introduce them very well said and they locked in inside their own homes very well and, and the other half 
who may be able to go out and all of that, but then our infrastructure is completely inaccessible. Hmm. I may have admission to the best university, but if I am a wheelchair user, how do I get to that university? Mm-hmm. And, and not everybody is privileged. Mm-hmm. 80% of people with disability come from extremely poor backgrounds. Correct. So, so it's, you know, we can't say, it, it's like saying, sitting in ivory tower saying, yes, we have opened our universities to people with disability. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But you know, we can't get there. Correct. Well said. <laughs> well said. No, you're very well said. But, you know, a follow-up question to you then, Devanshu, will be that, you know, this is the age now of the millennials and the Gen Zs. Yes. And I have found that people of that age group, you know, the early 30s, early 20s, yes. are people who change this country and they are far more uh, adjustable, willing to understand to all kinds of challenges. What is your impression of the reaction of millennials and the Gen Zs to people with disabilities? I couldn't resonate more, Ashutosh. That's the hope. They're the hope. Correct. <laughs> They're the biggest hope and I'm putting everything on them. Uh, it's very unfortunate that we haven't left a better world for them. Yeah, and then we, we are expecting them to, to clean up after us. Yeah. Um, but, but I still have hope in them uh, because, because they, they do have a lot of empathy. Correct. They're open to experiences. Mm. And they're flexible in their mindsets, in their approach. Mm. And I do go out and talk to a lot of children in schools. Mm. And, and when I speak to children, um, they, their minds are malleable. Mm. Uh, they, 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 they're still filled with awe and, and uh, curiosity. And, yes. and my, my hope is that they will be better leaders. In the, and hopefully they will undo all the wrongs we have done. Correct. In fact, I've, I've said this often that, you know, the millennials and the Gen Zs, my children and people younger than them will not just correct all the damages that we are leaving behind in the world, but will probably improve everything in this world because of the incredible empathy. Absolutely. Isn't it? Absolutely. So, absolutely. So, Divyanshu, let me move to a few questions for you personally, you know, um, for someone who has achieved so much, you know, from... Uh, tandem cycling to, you know, flying, solo flights, etc. Where do you draw your inspiration from? <laughs> I, I, I'm driven by, I'm really motivated by, by challenges. Okay. And, um, and I'm intensely curious and I like to solve problems. So if there's a problem, I like to solve it. Okay. I, I like to be part of the solution um, and I thrive on it. And I, and I really believe that um, I'm, I'm driven by what I, what I, what I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. What, what drives me is passion. What drives me is what I love to do. If, if that's not something I want to do, I, I ask this question often to myself. Is, mm-hmm. is this what you are doing worth dying for? Will you die for this? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, then that's not worth doing. Okay. So, so that, that brings a lot of clarity that, okay, if I'm willing to die for this, that's how important it is for me. Okay. But what makes you push yourself to in such extreme sports like solo <laughs> flying? Well, flying is actually very safe, Ashitosh. If you, uh, you know, aircrafts are really, really safe. It's again, how we, how we uh, process that. Mm. 
uh, most accidents uh, happen on ground. Uh, most aircraft accidents happen on ground. They don't happen in air. Uh, secondly, um, you're way more at risk driving a car on Indian roads than flying. Yes. So if you reassess the risk, I'm actually taking lesser risk. Okay. Well said. Well said. <laughs> and, and I trust my team. See, when, even if I'm flying solo, it's a misnomer because there's a whole team looking out for, after everybody. Okay. Um, whether I'm blind or sighted, that wouldn't matter. Uh, there's a mm. whole team looking out for a pilot. Yes. While I have the best seat in the house, mm. I trust my team to look out for me. They trust me to not do something stupid. Okay. Uh, they trust me to also f um, follow their instructions. And um, so it's, it's really, it's really safe. Mm -hmm. and, and like everything, there are risks. Of course. But then you learn, you train, you, you, you think of situations, you practice, you come up with contingencies, mm -hmm. and then you go out there believing in yourself. Fantastic. That and therefore, a follow-up question to you on that note is that, you know, you, you're doing so many different things. What does success mean to Divyanshu? Contentment. If I sleep contented at night, mm -hmm. knowing I have fully given of myself. Mm -hmm. I've given 100%. I have given my best. doesn't matter whether I've failed in it. I, I celebrate failure just as much. Okay. And, and in fact, I feel we, uh, as, as a society, we need to celebrate failures more. Correct. Uh, we, we have a very lopsided thing where we only celebrate successes. Uh, but we need to celebrate failures more. There's more to learn in failures. And for me, as long as I have put in my effort, my 100%, heart and soul in it, I sleep contented and that's success for me. You know, that's such a fascinating answer because that was going to be my next question to you. It was on failure. And uh, I've often said this, and I've got a new book coming out mm -hmm. in March on failure. Mm -hmm. I've said that, you know, in Asia, particularly in India, parents don't teach children it's okay to fail. Absolutely. Right? So my question to you is that what has been some of your biggest learnings from some of your biggest mistakes? <sighs> Most important uh, is, is uh, I've been very close to death uh, multiple times, Ashitosh. I've been declared dead once in 98. Um, and, and one of the things that, that, that really has been my greatest learning uh, on that deathbed when, when doctors said, uh, like, I knew I was dying. Mm -hmm. It's not the big things that you regret or miss or, you know, oh, I didn't go to that trip or vacation. You know, if I didn't buy this car or uh, none of that comes to haunt you. It's, it's the small things. It's the telephone call you didn't make. Mm. It's the I love yous I, you didn't say. It's the apologies you didn't make. It's, it's, it's those small things that really come to haunt you. Mm. Very interesting. And, and to me, um, uh, that has been uh, the biggest learning, relationships, living life to the fullest in the moment. Completely in the moment. That if I was to drop dead the next moment, I will not regret anything right now. I'll, I'll really die happy because uh, there's not a single phone call I need to make. Mm. Fantastic. 
And so, Divyansh, my last yeah. question to you now yeah. Yeah. is that what would you say is the most outrageous thing that you have done? <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I, I don't really know. You know, I don't ask this for many questions, but when I was how reading you, about you, how do you I was so outrageous? fascinated. How do you define outrageous? What does outrageous mean to you? I'm, you're putting yourself at risk, doing things which, you know, you know, uh, is there something which is, you know, you're really risking your life. What is something that you've done? Or oh, there's nothing like that? Honestly, most people would think flying or climbing to the top of the uh, highest mountain in the world. Right. Uh, these are outrageous things. But, but to us, we, we really look at it very differently. Hmm. Uh, there is no bravado in there. If there is bravado, you're sure to die. I agree. Uh, we take, we in fact are very risk averse. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it is training, it is knowing, it is um, constant uh, safety and equipment and being cautious, uh, being mindful uh, that we take every step. Mm. Uh, so, so. While, while the world would look at extreme adventure sport as something extremely outrageous, hmm. um, it, it's, it's not really so. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. so I, 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 it's I, know, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I mean, I guess the, my definition of outrageous is I'm 64 years old and therefore when I think something which is of such intensity, hmm. you know, there are people who are doing it. So, uh, I just thought it could be, you know, you're, you're risking yourself, but maybe I used to do the same thing 30 years ago, you know, so. Right, right. And, and we really look at risk very risk assessment very differently. Correct. Very differently. And then you should see that before I step into any adventure sport or extreme sport, hmm. the amount of uh, risk evaluation we do, the amount yeah. of time that goes into uh, assessing and hmm. uh, preparing contingencies, like even when we went to Kilimanjaro, we had even a helicopter for rescue on standby. Hmm. And we actually did have to rescue somebody from the top of the mountain. Um, but that was because we had all those contingencies in place Correct. Uh, before we even took one step. So That's if the risk evaluation plan is not foolproof or not safe enough, we don't even do it. We don't attempt it. Fantastic. But yes, uh, flying, cycling, climbing, all of them are uh, are quote unquote outrageous things in one way because they they really push you to the limits. Correct. Uh, they they make you uh, push the envelope. Mm. Um, they they redefine what's possible. Well said. Because as a blind pilot, we're really redefining what's possible. We yeah. we're challenging beliefs and mm. notions and and changing the norm because mm. because for me, um, you know, it's not enough to be a pilot. One for myself, what the dream I have is to see hundreds of blind people flying every day and that becoming the norm. Correct. Well, That's how you change the world. So for mm -hmm. me, that would be outrageous when tomorrow um, I step into an Indigo or uh, or, or uh, SpiceJet and the, the, the pilot comes on the PA system and says, um, push back, relax. Uh, I'm going to be, uh, going to be cruising at 32,000 feet. Uh, by the way, I'm blind, but that's okay. I can hear well. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> so well said. that the uh, agree. 
that's the outrageous world uh, you know uh, that's yeah I like to shock people yeah <laughs> well done so divyanshu uh, thank you so much it's been such a pleasure speaking to you thank you so much I I just wish you lots of luck and I sincerely hope I get an opportunity to fly in an Indigo with my own to you justify that would be that would be the one I dream of and uh, Ashutosh just wanted to make one request to this yeah. medium to all the leaders and corporate people or anybody just about anybody who's mm-hmm. watching this to come and experience just one day mm-hmm. just one day um with us Hmm. it doesn't matter if you're 70 year old if you have no arms if you're a cancer survivor it doesn't matter correct just come and spend one day um and then i believe i believe that every one of you can be ambassadors of change and I agree. make this world more inclusive in a better place so uh, your message will go to everybody but it has certainly come to me and i will make a special effort to come and spend one day that be amazing thank you ashutosh thank you, thank you so much thank you bye 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 thank you for listening to the brand called you video cast and podcast a platform that brings you knowledge experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.